the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He's been recognized as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. Call him now at 866-970-9622. That's 866-970-9622 and Ask the Lawyer. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Well, welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanied by my wife, Beth. For those of you who know about the show, its first part is about estate planning and elder law. The idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, avoiding probate, and as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. The second part of the show, not necessarily equal parts, we do interviews with people talking about history, politics, religion, sometimes baseball. And by the way, talking about baseball, we're very privi- privileged <laughs> to, uh, on the uh, 970 The Answer broadcast from Giordano's restaurant, talk about the designated hitter. And that's Of course, you- Mike has always been a, fav- a favorite of the designated hitter. No, it's a sacrilege. <laughs> When the Knickerbocker rules were established in 1846, it said nine players on a team, nine players feel their positions, nine players come to bat. And, you know, back then, ball players they played both sides. You know, pitchers, pitchers would hit. Pitch it. When a shortstop got hurt, you might come off the mound and play shortstop. Another guy might play pitcher. You know, they really were baseball players back then. You know, now you, there's no strategy, and that's what we're talking about. But why? what's – started the DH. Why did it even begin? Well, there were so few runs scored in the American League that they had they felt they had to do something at the time. You know, back in the late 60s going into the early 70s, not a lot of runs were scored in baseball. Today there's an explosion of home runs, and I don't think that's another reason I don't think we need it. And, and speaking about baseball, in a couple of weeks we're going to have on Eddie Bursud and there are only two players, and I didn't realize this until we researched this interview, there are only two players who played for the New York baseball giants and the New York Mets, Willie Mays and Eddie Bursu. So Eddie Bursu is going to be on our show in a couple of weeks, and he, he's an interesting guy. He had a scholarship to Stanford. After uh, he finished his baseball career, he was a professor in college for many years. Um, so good, good hitting shortstop, a little bit of home run pop, good defensive shortstop, played in the major leagues for about 12 years, and spent two years in the military service. So, interesting man. All right, well, I'll tell you what. Let's let's try to answer these state planning questions here. We have Mary from Brooklyn. Yes, Mary, what's your question? Hi, Mike. I had an attorney do a will for me, but he was recently disbarred. Does that mean that the will he did for me is invalid? No, not at all. Uh, you may want to get it redone anyway because maybe he did something incorrectly. But I remember <laughs> we had a case about 
no, maybe 15, 20 years ago, an exact question came in, and somebody objected to the will because the lawyer who did the will, you know, was disbarred. And, and the surrogate, surrogate Bloom, God bless him, said, you mean to tell me if I go see a lawyer and I do a will and he gets disbarred, my will's not any good? <laughs> what kind of logic is that? <laughs> you know, but, but that was the argument, and he threw it out of court. But uh, we don't have judges like that anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> but no. But you may still want to take a look at it to see, you know, if he was disbarred, he may not be the best lawyer in the world, maybe he made a mistake or something. So you may want to take a look at that question. Beth, All right. Have, thanks a lot, Mike. Okay. Beth, we have an email question. Yes, we do. And this is long. Hello. Sorry I can't attend your September presentation in Manhattan. Also, I don't have a radio. I do have a living trust, however, along with a 401k and an IRA. None of the beneficiaries are aware of being a beneficiary. I've read about what steps beneficiaries must take to protect tax deferability, etc., when they inherit their shares such as not taking the funds directly, but transferring funds directly instead to an IRA trustee, titling the inherited IRA a certain way, etc. My concern, since I can't send such advice to the beneficiaries without tipping my hand, is to know what the trustees of my IRA and 401k are required to do when they arrange for the distributions in my death. Are they required to advise the beneficiaries? How do I ensure that the beneficiaries know what to do? Most of the beneficiaries are not financially sophisticated, and they're mostly not well off, which is why they're my beneficiaries. My living trust has a successor trustee, so I assume that there is no issue there as long as he remains available and trustworthy. Thanks, John. All right, John. A couple of points there, John. You don't have a radio, but you're, I don't know where you're emailing from or how you're hearing us. Well, sometimes uh, from the seminars. Right, or the street, but he didn't, he didn't get to the seminar, so. Maybe he got the and packet. How did, and how did he know to email <laughs> us on the radio? Number one, I know I don't. I've never met anybody before who has a living trust and a four hundred one k and an IRA and doesn't have a radio. But that's <laughs> God bless you, John. You're a, you're an interesting person. Um, one of the things is you might. I, I assume your trustee may know that you have a trust agreement. You may tell your trustee to uh, inform the people. Your banks and other institutions will ordinarily give them advice. They, you know, if they're inheriting, they should talk to somebody. I mean. It's it's not the most difficult thing to stretch out the IRA to their life expectancy or depending on their circumstances, may, maybe take a lump sum payment. Ordinarily, we wouldn't want to do that. We want to stretch it out to their life expectancy. But you can tell your trustee to tell them. And you know what? You can always put a letter to them with your will, with your trust, saying, listen, if something happens to me, I, I left you this gift because I'm concerned about your future welfare. Please get the right advice you know, with what I'm leaving you. And I think that would be the way to do it. And I think that letter, I am sure they would be, you know, in a a good mood to receive it, knowing that you made a gift from them, you're thinking about them. So that's what I would do. Again, if you have one trustee, I might add a second trustee, because in this world, you never know what's going to happen. You know, like usually, I always use, if you have a, you know, successor trustee, that's good, and that's great, and we should have one. 
But you may want to think about adding a second one because anything can happen to one person in this world. And, you know, the, the, the problem in today's world, it's not a problem so much, but people live to be 100, and they have a 70-year-old child, and the 70-year-old child dies before the parent, and all of a sudden we have no trustee because nobody, you know, thought things out enough. Well, we're going to have a, a short break. Now, after the we'll have another few minutes to take questions if you want after the break. And the phone number here is 1-866-970-9622, 1-866-970-9622. Or you can email your questions to the answer at connorsandsullivan.com, the answer at connorsandsullivan.com. Now, after the break, we're going to be talking to a man who directed a film with Paul Servino and Martin Landau, the recently deceased Martin Ra- Landau, Harold Weiner. And it's an interesting story how the film came to be, and he's an interesting guy. And then we're going to talk to one of our favorites, Patrick Wayne, son of John Wayne. You're listening to Ask the Lawyer. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control, and church was actually a, a burden to me. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. No, I didn't take my faith seriously, which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home. But if you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, especially as a man. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm home. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. You're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. Hello, this is Father Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. The pro-life movement is winning. One of the signs of progress is the growing mountain of medical evidence that abortion harms women, men, and families. Even researchers who identify themselves as pro-choice are coming to this conclusion and publishing their research. Abortion advocates try to hide and bury this information. But so much of it continues to come out that their efforts to hide it will not succeed much longer. Abortion really destroys itself. The more it continues, the more it reveals itself as an enemy of the human family. Those who advocate abortion say they care about women's health. But if they do, then they will have no honest rationale for ignoring the harm that abortion does. As the mountain of medical evidence against abortion grows, so should our hope that it will end. This is Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got a question for Mike? Call him at 866-970-9622. That's 866-970-9622. Okay, well, welcome back again. You know, we just came from a fundraiser for Nicole Maliotakis for mayor at our good friend's house, Ed Schloman. Guy active, you know, 20-plus year career veteran, military veteran. And he had a fundraiser for Nicole in his backyard, lovely house. And uh, Nicole's working hard right now to, to try to have an opposition to Mayor de Blasio. She is, it's an uphill battle. Um, she is a wonderful young woman. Um, she's Greek and Cuban descent. Both of her parents were immigrants into the country. Um, and she is a hard worker, tireless. Anybody that has been in her district 
um, after Sandy from Staten Island. She was out there every day, every day helping people. Um, I hope that she is able to visit the neighborhoods of the people that don't know her and um, would like to. She's, she's a person of the people. I know that's been overused for a long time, but she really is. She's not she's not in in politics for self aggrandizement. She's in politics to help people in her neighborhood um in New York City. She can t- it's her home. It's her neighborhood. She's a great person. So um anybody out there that um would like to get to know her better a group of people, I'm sure that she would go speak and let you get to know her. Okay. And, you know, I, I, you know, I don't, I know I don't travel in the broader circles in the city or whatever, but I really have not met an awful lot of people who are pleased with the job William de Blasio has done as mayor. So, you know, but are people going to come out and vote? I don't know, but let's hope so. Because he got elected with a very small number of votes in the last election listen the the up in the taxes the real estate taxes are very hard on our seniors um and these are the these are the best these are our clients they're the best people in the world and if you up the taxes 20 25 percent um some of these people can't pay them um there are real tragic consequences to some of the policies Okay, let's try to squeeze another phone call in here. Amanda. Yes, Amanda, what's your question? Hello? Yes, Amanda, yes. Yeah, You're on the air. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear I'm you. on the air? You're on okay, the air. Okay, here's a question. Okay, um, um, I am a registered nurse. I have a colleague who um, they have to do with narcotics. Now, this colleague, very liable, he did not, and I can assure you that this did not happen. He went into the the, the narcotic cabinet, or we call it the Pixis, where he was withdrawing a medication. And when he went in, the medication was there, and one of the bags was leaking. He immediately reported it to the pharmacist, and the pharmacist, addresses it and came up and said that, you know, it the pixies could have caused it and, and this is um this is, is, is not your fault. But then a few days later he was called into the office, he was um escorted out by security, he had to give a urine toxicology and they were um saying he was faulted or he, he was it was suspicion. He was suspended without pay. And he was, he's right now, he's under suspicion of using narcotics. Well, I, now, did, how could he... Go ahead. Uh, is he a member of the union, of a union? Yes, but I, with the representation he received from the union, was offering counsel without proof. He tried to get the results back because they took him in to the, 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 the ER to withdraw um, urine. And he tried to get the results back, and they're giving the runaround that they didn't get it back. And I know the hospital is capable of giving it right back. And But they said it was sent out, and he can't get it back, and he was suspended without pay. 
Okay, well, he, obviously, if he's suspended without pay, he has a right to a hearing, and he should get a lawyer for, familiar with the, the circumstances in the hospital, the rules and regulations. And I would think the union might be able to recommend a lawyer for him. And I'm sorry for his trouble, Amanda, but to be honest with you, it's not something that I would be an expert in. So good luck to oh, him. Okay. Good luck to you. God bless. Okay. I guess we're going to take another break, and at the end of the break, we're going to be talking to Dr. Harold Weiner about his film, The Last Poker Game. I have children. How can I protect them if something happens Will my to assets be lost if I go into a nursing home? We have property. How will it affect the ones still here? Who will help us take care of Grandma? These questions can be answered by calling 718-238-6500 for a free consultation from Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, providing dedicated, caring, and highly responsive legal services. They're focused on issues that matter to you, protection of your family, preservation of your assets, and respect of your wishes with dignity. That's all I want from a lawyer, making it easier for my children. Call 718-238-6500. Get a free consultation. Connors & Sullivan's clients don't get lost in the cracks. They have dedicated attorneys who know their clients and the issues that matter most to them. Connors and Sullivan's estate planning, elder law, and probate attorneys work closely with every client. Don't leave behind problems for your family. Call 718-238-6500 and get a free consultation today. Connors and Sullivan. Plan now for later. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. Whenever I sit down with a homeowner, the number one question asked is always, which reverse mortgage option is best for me and my family? I personally will help you decide which reverse mortgage program is best for you. My job is to help active retirees find the best solution for their retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward, objective information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call 888-943-2646. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. As most of you know, we do some elder law and estate planning in our office. And a few years back, we had a retired naval officer who went into a nursing home. And when he was in the nursing home, he started organizing a poker game. My wife found that very interesting, but there's a movie out about the last poker game starring Martin Landau and Paul Savino. And we're very happy to have the scriptwriter of that film, Dr. Weiner. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, and it's great to talk to you. I also wrote it, and I directed it. You directed it. Okay, so what, what's the movie about? The story it tells the story of an old Jewish doctor who can't take care of his wife because he, she has Alzheimer's, and he goes to a home, and that's played by Martin Landau. In the home, he meets an old Italian guy who in his life was a womanizer and a gambler. And that's played by Paul Sorvino. 
they meet each other, they become friends, they talk about their lives, they're both impotent, they talk about that. Then there's a story of a young woman who's a nurse who's adopted, and she goes to look for her parents and gets an anonymous note that her father's in this home. So she takes a job in the home, she meets these two old guys, and they both want to be her father. <laughs> well, I'm, yeah, but wouldn't in today's world with DNA, wouldn't that be pretty easily solved? Well, I can give you a little. So the answer is yes. I can give you a little insight. I don't want to give. I don't want to spoil the movie, but the that's exactly right. And so the doctor arranges for DNA testing to be done after all these different things go on. But I won't tell you how that comes out. There's a little surprise there. You know, what I like about your film is that a lot of people think that once somebody goes to a nursing home, they're almost not a person anymore. Their their personality is gone. They're, they're, they're just somebody who's warehoused. And I think people forget that there are real people in these nursing homes. So what you say is exactly right. And one of the, the tagline for the movie is it's never too late for life. Uh, and there's a lot of life that these uh, two old guys experience. When people look at old people, sometimes they put them up on a pedestal, you know, make them a special person. They look down on them like they're children. But in the last poker game, we look at them straight on as real people. Real things happen. They're experiencing things that everybody experiences. And I think that's one of the strong points of the film. And it's what the actors and the audiences love. What made you write this film, direct this film? Well, I'm as a doctor, obviously, I see all different kinds of people. Once I was visiting my grandmother who was in a nursing home, and I was really struck by the old people there, uh, how they were there approaching their lives, all the different things that they were doing. Uh, and I thought that there was a lot of life there. There's a lot of life experiences and uh, a lot of big stories that are told. And then I had a girlfriend uh, who I used to go with in high school who was adopted, and she went to search for her biologic parents. So I said to myself, well, maybe I could put the two together to combine old and young, searching for roots, et cetera. And that was the impetus for the film. Now, you directed the film. Have you ever directed anything before? Well, I made a documentary film called What is Life? But that was a documentary film that I uh, asked life's big questions. Uh, it actually did very well, won some Los Angeles Film Awards. People can watch it. I posted it on YouTube, just put in my name, Howard Weiner, and What is Life? But I never really directed a film like this. And it took a little courage, but, you know, you can't be afraid to do things. It's always been a dream of mine. When I was in medical school, I used to make music videos of Beatles songs. But I love medicine more. But at this time in my life, you know, I'm an older guy making a film, uh, it's one of my dreams, and I thought that there was an important message. So I just uh, dove in, uh, and I think it really came out well. Now, how was it like working with Martin Landau and Paul Savino? They were amazing. They're really uh, amazing actors, and we established an immediate rapport. And one of the things that people don't realize is that one of the things that is very important for a director for the actors to make them comfortable. They need to feel safe and they need to feel that they can open up and explore new things. And this is what I accomplished with them. And they really appreciated that. And, you know, they said, here's a first time director, et cetera. After three or four days, it was clear that we'd established this rapport. I needed to know when to listen to them because they had ideas and when to tell them, no, this is a line 
this is the way you're going to say it. And then they started comparing me. You know, these guys have been with Scorsese and Woody Allen and Alfred Hitchcock and all these great directors, and they were kind of comparing me to how I was compared to them. Uh, but it all worked out. It all worked out. They're, they're amazing actors, such professionals. Were you satisfied with the way the film came out? I was more than satisfied. You know, when you make a film, uh, so many things can go wrong. You have a vision, and you want to try to get that vision and capture it on film. And it turned out better than I expected. It, it wasn't easy. We had our moments. We had to redo editing. We had to redo music, et cetera, et cetera. But it came out uh, beyond my expectations. Some people say for Sorvino it's the best um, performance he's done in his life. And Lando won an Academy Award, said this is one of his best performances. People in Hollywood who've seen it love it. So I consider myself fortunate uh, because anytime anybody makes a film, you never know what's going to happen. How were you able to get this project done? How did you get the financing? Well, the financing was interesting. Uh, it cost us about a million and a half dollars to make the film. And when I had the script, uh, it was a question of raising the money. And I actually ended up raising the money from people who support my medical research, uh, who are... Um, Friends of mine, I put some money in. I couldn't ask someone else for money if I didn't put money in. One of them was a venture capitalist, a very successful uh, person who did biotech. And he said, Howard, this is just like, you know, trying to get a new drug. You know, you're taking a risk, et cetera. So I had people who believed in me, people who uh, enjoyed the excitement of it. And uh, that's how we got the money. How do, how do we buy the film today? Is it add on? Uh, is it released right now on DVD? Hasn't been released yet. We premiered at Tribeca in April, and it really did well. Uh, we're now talking to distributors, so we have uh, distributors who are interested, and it'll either come out in the theaters in the fall or early next year, and then people can go watch it, and then uh, it'll be available on DVD. What do you do in your, you know, your real-life job? So in my real-life job, I co-direct the Ann Romney Center, which is a center for neurologic diseases at the Brigham and Women's Hospital here in Boston, part of Harvard. And most of my life has been in multiple sclerosis. Now we're doing some work at Alzheimer's. So we really work on five diseases, multiple sclerosis, Alzheimer's, Lou Gehrig's disease, uh, brain tumors, and Parkinson's. And we're trying to find treatments for these uh, terrible neurologic diseases. As far as Lou Gehrig's disease, I mean, one of the most tragic things I ever run into is somebody that's victim of that disease. Is, the, is there hope for a cure? So the answer is yes. In the last month, for the first time in 22 years, a new drug was approved by the FDA. There hadn't been a drug for 22 years. In some of our work, we are beginning to discover changes in the brain and changes in the blood, and we have new treatments that we're going to be trying. So I think there's real hope. Now, as far as Alzheimer's, I think that's one disease that, as people get older, it's it's the most dreaded disease of, of because it feels it takes their personality away from them. Yeah, Alzheimer's, I think it's society's worst disease because everybody gets it as they get older. Uh, it affects all races, all peoples everywhere, and we really can't afford this to be happening. Alzheimer's is caused when, in the brain, there's something called A-beta, uh, beta amyloid. It's a, it's a structure that gets deposited and causes damage. 
and we're working on a nasal vaccine that would clear this toxic material from the brain. So it's a, it's a big disease, and, and we're hopeful we're going to be starting trials in a couple years to see whether we can help out. If, if somebody wanted to learn more, where would they find out about your work about the Ann Romney Center for Neurological Diseases? They can just go on the Internet. We're at the Brigham and Women's Hospital, and you could put in Ann Romney Center for Neurologic Diseases. They'll see it. And by the way, as a patient of mine, she has MS. Uh, this is public knowledge. She's written about it. It's a bipartisan board. We have a Kennedy on our board. We have people from the Clinton family. So when it comes to disease, we're all the same. So it's really been a wonderful, um, a wonderful uh, initiative. All right. Now changing the subject back, the last poker game. Do you have anything else? Any other films that you have planned for the future? Yeah, I got another film. I've written the script. It's called Subways. It actually takes place in New York, and it explores. Uh, uh, it's sort of like a Fellini and Woody Allen type film, and it tells the story of a neuro neurosurgeon who's going through. Sur he's having, he's performing surgery, and he gets into this crisis, kind of an existential life crisis, and it gets played out between his real life and subways that he imagines and goes into uh, which represents his subconscious. So we go back and forth between the subways of his mind, his real life, and how he tries to deal with the big questions that everybody does, everybody deals with. That's called subways, and I've written the script, now we gotta uh, move it forward. When were you younger, were you a film buff? Um, I loved film when I was younger. Actually, when I was in medical school, I used to make music videos of Beatles songs. Uh, and I took my 8mm camera and did did those things, but I loved medicine more. Uh, my son's in the industry. He uh, wrote for 30 Rock and Silicon Valley, and he's given me advice on what I'm doing. But I've always loved film, and so now I finally have time to do it. What film directors do you admire? I like, um, I like Francis Ford Coppola. I like... Uh, um, Ingmar Bergman, and I like Spielberg and Woody Allen. Those are the four that I like to watch their films. Each brings a little different uh, nuance to the to the screen. Now, when you watch them, do you try to figure out how they angle their cameras and things like that? Absolutely. Sometimes you watch it with the sound off so you can see how they do the, uh, the movement and everything. Uh, you like to see how they use music. Uh, you like to see how they edit a scene, uh, when they use a close-up, when they don't use a close-up, how fast a scene goes. You know, some scenes go fast, some scenes go slow. You have different dolly moves, so I kind of imagine the dolly moves. So when I go to a movie and watch these people, it's sort of like doing research in the laboratory. You're just kind of absorbing it and trying to analyze it. God bless you. I mean, that's a tremendous accomplishment for somebody who hasn't been in the industry to put together a film, let alone a successful film. Well, I consider myself fortunate in uh, just like uh, the tagline of the movie, it's never too late for life. I think for everybody who's got their dreams, it's never too late to go for it. If you have somebody you know and, and they have a relative in a nursing home, what advice would you give to them? You don't want to leave them alone. You want to visit them. Uh, you want to make them comfortable. Uh, I don't think you want to pity them. I think you should treat them as real people, as they were. 
they don't really understand what you're saying, talk to them as if they do understand, because subconsciously they may be picking up on things. I say treat them as real people. Visit them and treat them as real people. So, again, the name of the movie, The Last Poker Game, starring Martin Landau and Paul Savino, written and directed by Dr. Howard Weiner. Thank you for being on Connor's Corner. Of Ask the Lawyer and published in New York Magazine's top-rated lawyers. Whether assisting a client with drafting a will or trust, power of attorney, health care proxy, nursing home plan, or other matter, Connors & Sullivan's goal is always the protection of their clients' rights and interests. Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, has dedicated attorneys that can help you with estate planning, elder law, and probate. They listen to their clients to learn about their families, their financial picture, and their long-term goals to create a comprehensive plan to meet your objectives. They assist with the complex tax matters that are often involved in estate planning and probate. Contact Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, with offices in Brooklyn, Queens, Midtown Manhattan, and Staten Island to schedule a free consultation with an attorney. 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. And listen to Ask the Lawyer right here every Saturday evening at 6. We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death. And it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C, as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world. Cures are within our reach, but we can't do it alone. I'm Patrick Wayne, and I'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer. You can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease. Together, we can save lives. To learn more, visit jwcigiving.org. That's jwcigiving.org. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. On October 10th, this year, our next guest, Patrick Wayne, is going to be receiving the Humanitarian Award at the Fanny Dinner to Benefit Cancer Research. Congratulations, Patrick. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's the uh, fashion footwear of New York, for those who don't know what the acronym is. And it's specifically for breast cancer uh, research. And uh, I've represent the John Wayne Cancer Institute and specifically our uh, protocols for breast cancer research. And we've been the uh, beneficiary, the recipient of support from Fannie for over 18 years. And um, so we're, we're thrilled for the association. And I am, I am humbled and honored by this uh, award they're presenting to me. I've had the good fortune and honor of, of working with Three uh, three men in leadership. I call them the Holy Trinity. It's uh, Dick Jacobson and then uh, Joe Moore and uh, presently Ron Fromm. All of these men under their leadership, uh, Fannie uh, Foundation and fundraising has been uh, 
Unbelievable. Every year, year in and year out, they, they've just done a wonderful job. Some members of the audience may not know the connection of your father and how the John Wayne Cancer Institute got started. So you, you want to give them a little bit of a history lesson? Yeah, yeah. Um, so my father was uh, at UCLA, and he was uh, in the last weeks of his life. And uh, there was a, a doctor there by the name of Don Morton who was working on an experimental trial. And uh, he came to my dad and asked my dad if he if he wouldn't uh, if he would uh, join the trial, and my dad said hell yes, and um, and if I if I live I'm going to help you guys. And so he went on the trial, and unfortunately uh, it, it didn't work for him. But my brothers and sisters and I thought, um, as a legacy to my dad, we would um, we would try to help uh, in, in cancer research and use his name to create awareness about cancer research and to help raise money to fund it. So we teamed up with Don Morton uh, at UCLA and formed the John Wayne Cancer Institute, which uh, a few years later moved to uh, a community hospital in Santa Monica, St. John's Health Center, where we've been for the over the last 20 years. And um, it is a, uh, a robust research institute. We've got protocols on not only in breast cancer, but um, melanoma and lung and liver and brain and uh, prostate cancer protocols as well. Now, my understanding is you've put a great team of medical doctors and researchers together. Uh, we, we, we think the best. We, <laughs> we, um, we have a great, um, a great group of doctors who um, practice medicine at St. John's Health Center and then do their research or their uh, clinical trials. Uh, under the umbrella of the John Wayne Cancer Institute. In addition to the research that's going on there and their clinical trials, we also have a fellowship program where we take um, board-certified surgeons and for two or three years train them to become board-certified cancer surgeons. And uh, this is a, a very important uh for, for the medical community, if you have a tumor and you need it to be removed, a cancer tumor, the best thing you can do for yourself is go to a surgeon who has been trained as specifically in cancer tumor removal. So that's something else we're adding back to, to society. Now, I know another award you received earlier this year, my, my buddy Pat Fauci from the Searchers Club told me that you were inducted into the Hall of Great Western Performers at the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum. That is correct. It's, uh, it's an amazing uh, museum in Oklahoma City uh, dedicated to the preservation of our heritage uh, and the West. And it's, it's an amazing museum, and I, uh, I, I, I was also inducted in there. And, and I began wondering, uh, two very prestigious awards in one year. What, does somebody know something? I mean, is this my last year on Earth, or what's going on here, Mike? <laughs> I hope not from that point of view. <laughs> now, now, you know, now a lot of people may or may not know, but you were in about how many films with your father, John Wayne? I think I was in seven seven films. And films directed by the great director John Ford. John Ford, I, I was in about 11 films uh, that uh, he did. So, I mean, some of those films are, are truly memorable. And, of course, you have memorable performances in McClintock, Shenandoah, Big Jake. Definitely. I've uh, got a body of work in the West. I also 
uh, done films in the sci-fi genre, including Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger and uh, The People of Time Forgot, um, also a couple of my favorites. So The People of Time Forgot is one of your favorites? Well, I would say Sinbad was uh, was right up there. The People of Time Forgot was a, a great experience working uh, with a great group of people. Uh, likewise of uh, the Sinbad film. Well, outside of some of the Westerns, my wife's favorite is The People of Time Forgot, and my son's favorite is Sinbad. Oh, oh it is? Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, you think about acting anymore, or is it it's in the past now? I, I pretty much, um, you know, I started uh, uh, working with the Institute when my older brother passed away uh, almost 15 years ago. And it's um, it it was um, it was not you know I, let me let me put it this way I would be involved with the institute maybe three or four days a month and even that the meetings would be at my house so I didn't have to even leave my house now I am involved three or four days a week uh, with the institute I'm on the board at the hospital. I'm on the on their foundation board, their board of trustees, and the hospital board. I just felt like it would be uh, important to be engaged with the hospital and get the uh, the community that uh, supports the hospital to be engaged with us and what we're doing and and uh, support us as well. So it's it's become a full time unpaid job. Okay, well, thank you for doing it again. Getting back to your film career, a lot of people, you know, remember you. Let's say for Mr. Roberts, you 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 played the young sailor. And that had a great cast: Henry Fonda, Jack Lemmon, James Cagney, William Powell, Ward Bond. Yeah, it was. Uh, they're terrific people and terrific people to work with, and really were nice to me. <laughs> was John Ford nice to you? John Ford was really nice to me, which is uh, an unusual thing to say. Typically about John Ford, he he doesn't have a reputation for being nice to people. Uh, but but I was his uh, godson, and so I again you know, I've was uh, spared um, uh, most of his acerbic wit. Now, the other night I was watching Rio Grande, and actually we had Claude, Claude Jarman Jr. on the show. Oh, really? He's a, he's a really uh, good buddy of mine even today. Actually, if you look hard, you're going to see you as a little kid there. Yeah. What was it like doing a film when you're, what, 10, 11 years old with all those great actors, including your father? Well, you know, it, it, I, my, my memories were like, uh, basically it went something like this. Do you want to be in the film? Well, you know, what what, what exactly does that entail? He says, well, you, you know, you're going to get $5. And I said, I'm there. Sign me up. And um, so uh, it, it evolved into something more than that, obviously. And what I really began to realize early on was that since my other brothers and sisters had no interest in doing it, that um, I, I had a lot of uh, alone time with my dad when I go on these uh, uh, locations with him, and uh, I didn't uh, have to compete with my brothers and sisters for his attention. So that that was a, a real fun experience. And then working with um, uh, all these great, as you say, the great uh, the great performers of the era and the and the and the crews, and pretty much exclusively uh, with the director John Ford. It was either with my dad. Or it was with John Ford and, you know, Tyrone Power or somebody else. So I, I just learned the experience of what it was like working for one director. And he is by no means a typical director. 
and, and that was something that I would I would come to learn later in my career. What was the difference, let's say, between John Ford and and, and Andy McLaughlin? Well, between John Ford and just about everybody else, I, I mean, I haven't worked with every director, obviously, but uh, typically um, you you get a script, you read the script, you you develop an idea of who your character is and how he fits in the story and how you you know you want to play the character. You may come together with a director who may have a, a, an overall uh, idea about the screenplay and how you fit into it, and you know you may discuss. Uh, you know, character nuances that that would, uh, you know, a compromise, if you will, that would uh, to make it work for you and for the director and for the picture as a whole. When you're working with John Ford, no, he says do it this way, and he will keep um, directing the scene over and over again until you do it the way he does. And then you just you basically have faith and hope that he knows what he's talking about. Well, I guess he did. The results are and in. I think, I, think time, I think time has proved that he uh, was pretty right in most cases. Like, for instance, for the sake of argument, you played the uh, young lieutenant in The Searchers. And at the time, maybe The Searchers was just considered another Western. But now here we are 60 years later, and it is the Western. I know. And uh, that's, a, that's a strange story indeed. Um, the Searchers, when it was released, was just a okay picture. It got so-so uh, reviews and, uh, and, and uh, you know, not that, not that popular at the box office. And then a, a generation later, later, when these uh, young guys uh, were in film school, like Scorsese and Spielberg and uh, uh, Frank uh, Francis Coppola, they found this film and fell in love with it, and it, uh, it, it became a cult sensation overnight. And I don't know, maybe, maybe uh, the timing wasn't right in the 50s for that film. But uh, it, it certainly it turned around and is, is now on, as you say, uh, the, the, the list of top 100 films ever made. So that's a big jump. Well, the film might have been ahead of its time in, in the racism that it brought to light. And I think the audiences weren't quite ready for it yet. Probably right. I mean, who can say? Um, there's, uh, there's no question about that element in the film. And um, uh, a tough role for John Wayne, but... Uh, he, he swooped it up in the in the last three minutes uh, three minutes of the film, and his whole character redeemed itself. Well, I think that's a lot of John Ford films talking about redemption. I, I agree with you. Okay, now I understand you may be deigning to come into Brooklyn in October. I'm so excited about that. <laughs> you are. I'm very excited. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean I uh, the last couple of years we've had an opportunity to uh, to have you. Uh, over to Manhattan for dinner, and it's always been great. And uh, now I'm looking forward to being on your turf. Yeah, and not only that, we're going to have a lot of fans of you and your father, and hopefully we can start getting them into the John Wayne Cancer Institute family. Well, that, that's uh, that's wonderful. I, I, I would be very excited and uh, always thrilled to meet the fans. They always have such positive and nice things to say about my dad. It's it's something I really look forward to. So that should be a fun night. Listen, in my mind, your father's portrayal of Ethan Edwards in The Searches is the greatest performance in the history of American cinema. Um, I, I, I would lump that in there as uh, uh, right up there in the top of his performance. I also liked his, uh, his, his character in The, uh, the Shootist, this uh, dinosaur 
uh, you know, passing into a new generation and uh, his, his, just his acting skills with uh, just a fleshed out character of a human being who had vulnerabilities is something you rarely saw in a John Wayne portrayal. But his, uh, his performance of uh, Ethan in The Searchers, he was a uh, full-blown nasty man who uh, was also capable of redemption, as we said earlier. All right. Well, we're going to look forward to seeing you in October, Patrick. Congratulations on all your awards. Hey, thank you, Mike. It's, I'm looking forward to seeing you in, uh, in a couple of months. All right. Thank you. See you soon. Thank you. Okay, so that's October 9th. The Ray! Bay Ridge Manor, 476 76th Street. That's right around the corner from our office. And if you want to find any more information on it, when you can get it on our website, but if you want to call for reservation, it's only $50. You're going to get fed. Uh, you're going to meet Patrick Wayne. And all the proceeds are going bargain. to cancer research. It's a bargain. Food and drink and wonderful guests. And there'll be an auction if you want to participate. There's going to be a 50-50, and you never know. And if you're not a John Wayne fan, I think Tony Lobianco said he's going to be showing up Hooray! there, our old buddy from the Hooray! French Connection. <laughs> We're going to have fun. Come have some fun with us. Okay, 718-238-6500. Ask for Monica Fay because she's the one handling the dinner. But, you know, just call for reservations. Uh, we do want to know how many people are there. We're going to want to know we how many. We have to know that. So please for let the, us know if you're food. coming. You can pay at the door, but please let us know if you're coming ahead of time. It's only $50. You're going to get a meal. It's going to be so much it's gonna fun. It's going to be a meal. And we can say hi to you. Right. And if anybody wants to meet Patrick, we'll introduce you. So keep in touch, 718-238-6500. You know, one last comment about, you know, the, the Patrick Wayne we're talking. I was trying to get him to talk a little bit about Andy McLaughlin because James Parks, who was on a few weeks ago, talked about how his father admired Andy McLaughlin. And I remember when I was interviewing Michael Parks, the great actor, um, you know, great character actor, that he said that one of the traits of a, a good director, a great director, the ability to listen. Of course, John Ford didn't seem to have the ability to listen. <laughs> he probably listened, but he didn't pay attention. <laughs> but that Andy McLaughlin had the ability to listen to actors and to try to come up with the best story possible. And I, I, I just remember Andy, he was such a nice man to talk to, so accommodating, we have to get Josh and Mary on. Yeah, we'll go get them. <laughs> I know. I know everybody's so <laughs> Those busy. Those are his children whatever. Josh has been on the show a few times. Right. And he's one of the best assistant directors, producers in Hollywood, Titanic, Avatar, X-Men series. Right. And, you know, he's he's the top of the line, and, and he has a good sense of history between his father. And, of course, the grandfather was Red Will Danaher in The Quiet Man, which – and also – Sergeant Conquanon and Rio Grande, both of those films had Patrick Wayne in them. And the one that he's so sad in, The Informer. The Informer. Well, that was before Patrick's time. That was before Patrick was born. But Andy McLaughlin was on the set of The Informer. Which is amazing. In 1935. And his father told him, if I get this part, I'm winning the Oscar. And he did. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we got seminars coming up, getting back to business. We're having fun with... Uh, the Searchers and John Wayne and whatever, but we do have seminars coming up. Where are you going to be? We're going to be in Brooklyn. We were in Staten Island and uh, Manhattan, and that's the way we usually rotate it. We do Manhattan, Staten Island one month. We do Brooklyn the next, and then Queens after that. So we get pretty much this, the city. I'm sorry, Bronx, 
But if anybody out there invites me to speak at a church group or something like that, I'll go up there. And when you're in Manhattan, it's easy to get to three west from the Bronx. Right. But on Monday, October 23rd, we're going to be at Vesuvio's Restaurant in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. We're going to be there at 11, 3, and 7. Vesuvio's Restaurant, 7305 3rd Avenue, Monday, October 23rd. Sheepshead Bay, Buckley's. Is that Sheepshead Bay or Marine Park? I don't know. I would say Marine Park. Okay. It's it's one of those in-between places. But in any event, that's at 2926 Avenue West, the corner of Nostrand Avenue and Avenue West. 11 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 7 o'clock again. Thursday, October 26th, the Montauk Club, the historic Montauk Club, 11 o'clock and 3 o'clock. Now, what do we talk about? We talk about estate planning and elder law. What's usually the one number one topic we talk about? Saving your house, getting your house out tax-free, not paying taxes on the house, going to your kids. We don't want to pay capital gains tax. We don't want estate tax, death tax, and we want to save that house from nursing home bills. And we don't want to have to go to court. So if you want to learn how to do that, go to one of our seminars. Again, same phone number we've been talking about, 718-238-6500. Dennis Kincaid. Bye-bye. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this song away. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this song away. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.